The following is a Journeywise Network production. I'm Shane. I'm Ronnie. Ronnie and I have been friends for 40 years on this journey, and so we want you to be a part of it. So grab your mason jar and come join us as we grow Journeywise together. Welcome to JourneyWise. I'm Shane Stanford. And I'm Ronnie Kidd. And we are so glad that you've joined us. Uh, our last episode, we talked about what is JourneyWise? Why do we use this title? And I think it was a, uh, I loved the conversation personally because it helps me to remember why we're doing this. We want people to think more cross country than sprint. Right, right. <laughs> Have a plan. But early on, um, you know, your influence on me and, and, and your family's influence on our family was so important it, because if you ask my children what our family motto is, they will able, they will answer you in a matter of seconds because they've done it. They've done it on TV programs that we were on. They've done it in small groups. It is from Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16, and it's be salt and light. And we have that, we had a, a a picture that had that phrase in uh, their bedrooms. Uh, we told it to them every time they left the house, along with don't embarrass the family, you know, but we got that from you. And so I'd love for you to just, you know, tell our listeners why be salt and light. Why would you say that to your family? Well, it, it came from a failure. Hmm. Uh, you know, we, we were struggling to have family devotions. Uh, so our children were probably you know, six, nine, and 12, three years apart. So, so they were about that. And we really felt like they were at the age now. We spent time with our children reading the Bible and praying individually. We felt like we needed to have family time. Sure. And it was a disaster. <laughs> I mean, we, we could not. And when you have a son in the middle that loves body noises, let's just put it that way. And, James, and, and who and, now is a psychologist. Yes. So. Uh, fortunately, well, he may still lie. But anyway, <laughs> he has three sons that every time they do something, I just look at him and he knows, I know, I know I did it. Uh, so, so we really uh, kind of gave up that. I mean, we, we tried to be not sit down, let's have a family devotion, whether sure. we want to or not. We'll go honor God with this, love Jesus, and love each other. You know, we tried to just incorporate that into the journey. Well, and, and to, so people hear this, we had the same issues as a family. We were all so busy, schedules here and there, so we tried to do something similar. So as you go on the journey, what does God want us to do? Hmm. And so I, I distinctly remember we were, as they were walking down, they rode the bus, and as they were walking down, we're old enough to kind of do it on their own. I remember my wife, Ann, we had just talked about the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, I, I, it's, it's one of the most significant passages in the Bible, of course. And we just talked about salt and light and, and, and what that meant. And so I remember as they were walking out, she stuck her head out the back door and said, now remember, be salt and light. Mm. Uh, previous to that, we had, we had said, uh, you know, uh, you represent everywhere you go, you're a Kent. And, and, so, and, for, and for those who maybe have not read that passage, here's the gist of okay. it. We're going to read it at the end right. specifically, but Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Right. Talking to his disciples right. and to the people. And, and he explained, and that is, will be obvious when we read the passage, he yeah. explained that if you lose it, you're not worth much. That's right. And, and you don't cover <laughs> it up. You don't cover up your light and you don't lose your saltiness. Yeah. 
because you do matter, and I know you added that yes, uh, to it. I won't take your thunder. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, and so we wanted them to understand that every place they went, they can make a difference. Yes. Um, and, and the way they make a difference is the same way salt and light does. Salt adds flavor. Salt preserves. Yeah. You know, light. Light doesn't get rid of darkness. It it takes over darkness. The darkness is gone yes. when light is there. And yes. so you're able to help people see. And, and it only it, takes a little bit of light to take on a whole lot of darkness. darkness. It's exactly right. And and uh, so so we just started. And I, I, when she said that, I was you know I was there and I turned to her and I said, "That's cool." Mm. And I said, "I think we need to say that every time." That's great. And so we just started as they. And it wasn't it wasn't anything but just. That was the truth. And so as your kids and your family, as you would say it more, what, what did they respond? How did they respond? Well, you see it in their, what they subtly do. I remember one time I saw in Grace's, my youngest daughter's car, uh, a, a little card said that, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, characters revealed in sports when you train when nobody is watching. Ah, that's good. You know, and, and so... Uh, her being a big sports soccer player and that sort of thing, you know, you see those trickle effects of, and, 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 and James telling me one time, I remember junior high, he came and he said, dad, you won't believe this. I said, what? He said, somebody pulled up their pants in the, in the bathroom and had a pack of cigarettes in there and said, Hey James, you want one? And I said, really? And they, I said, what'd you say? And he said, Hey dude, those things are key. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and they didn't make it, they didn't really see it. This is real strange kind of, uh, they didn't really see it as some big religious thing. Wow, sure. They they saw it as just a part of our family well, I mean, based it, on a religious thing. Well, and it was actual teaching illustration that Jesus was using two things that were very important in his day in ways that I think we take for granted. Oh, yeah. Salt was, as you mentioned, it added flavor. It was a preserver, and it was used in healing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're the salt of the earth, and just think those three things, if you go out and do those oh. things... Um, you're you're adding you're adding flavor to the gospel. People want to hear about it. They want to see it. They want to be experience it. Uh, preserving it, you're living it out. And then, of course, healing. Uh, how 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 much we could do in our world if we just sought to help woundedness. Because and, and not just that. I remember here again. This is a good good one. <laughs> and this is a tough one. Uh, I remember a girl coming into my practice. Uh, that uh, had unfortunately become pregnant as a teenager. And back in that day, it was a lot different. Sure. Um, and, and she and she had been a patient, she, you know, she got pregnant, so she came in, not that I took care of that, but just for another problem. And I remember her as I was walking out, she said, you know, Emily, my oldest daughter, she said, you know, she was the only one that didn't turn her back on me. Mm. That she would see me in the hall at, church, sure. at school and say, Hey, how you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? Mm. And we didn't tell Emily, go take care of folks like that. And, yeah. and I, I remember Grace uh, helping handicapped children. And we were fortunate enough to participate in something their whole life called Civitan Camp, where it was a, yeah. a, a week-long uh, retreat for uh, children that had special needs. And they always went with me and Ann down there. And so they understood what hurting was about, Absolutely. but that hurting didn't make you less. I mean, uh, handicaps and, and differences and, and needs didn't make you less. Sure. And so uh, they were able to come along as that salt hmm. uh, to, to help in those situations without 
having been in, instructed in the specifics. Mm. And I think that's the great thing about the Bible, too, about the Word of God, is that it, it often talks in specifics, but a lot of times it talks in generalities so that we're able to then apply it to the specifics. Well, I actually remember um, someone asking Juliana, she probably was sixth or seventh grade, about it and and she was sitting there and so she got some salt and put it on something so that whoever that was asking could eat it and say now doesn't that taste better yeah. different yeah. and and so they very much were getting the gist of it and understanding it and i love it because that's exactly what jesus wanted when he used the illustration he could have said you know what you need to do this and this but he said you are the salt of the earth and every one of them would have understood salt has very specific joy uh work that it does and and as they went out even as young adults you know before when they didn't have a, a family of their own when they were in college when they went out in the working world before mm -hmm. they got a family you know i think that that in sometimes the pursuit of specifics makes us forget the generalities. And so, like we've said before, your these events are coming up or these things I really have to, I have to put forth my best effort in college so I don't have time for the Christian stuff or sure. you know, that sort of stuff. You know, I think as they, as they are in that position or anybody that's out there right now, that's in a career that they say, well, I can't apply this to my children. I can't apply this yes. to my family. I can't tell my children when they leave to be salt and light. I think you can help spread that where you are. Absolutely, because I, w I started it in the church that, that we planted. I started saying it at the end of the services, be salt and light. And then I asked, and I remember I did not mean to add you matter to it, but that day we were talking about how you matter. And I said, you matter. And then my children would say, God bless you, because I always said that at the end. But the reason I did it was because I had so many people who worked in fields and in places that they felt like they could not share their exactly. Christian faith. And you can be, if you're salt and light, you can do it all day long wherever you are. And they can ask you. That's if, right. If you make a difference, if you, if you are salt and if you are light, people will ask. So, so let's talk about light for just a second, because light was a, even more profound in Jesus's day than we take for granted in our day, because they used candles and the, the light of day was the amount of time you worked. Right. Uh, you worked when the sun came up until the sun went down. And then you when that's right, you went home. But to light a room, uh, you know, with one candle meant the difference. Uh, I we we recently, in fact, the re retreat where we are, where we're taping this. I told my wife when the light goes out, it's, I can't see the ha my hand in front of my face, and so I I get up feeling that's, my way to the restroom. But if think about in a day where you didn't have street lamps and you didn't have uh, you know electric lights, uh, how important it was to specifically light that candle. And I know that there were people in the villages who were specifically tasked. That's right. And that's, that happened until there were electric streetlights in the late 1800s. There were people who were tasked to light the lights so that people could make their way from point A to point B. And, and or if, you, if you were going somewhere, you tried to get with somebody who had light. Because they could, yes. they could see the pitfalls and they could see yes. the things that would, could cause problems. And so along the journey, as you, you're going to attach yourself to somebody who has light mm -hmm. if you're going somewhere. Um, you know, my, my son, just the other day we were coming back and we have to travel kind of through the woods a little bit, kind of a <laughs> curvy road to get to our place. He said, Dad, you need those lights. I said, what do you mean? So the next time he was in his truck, 
he flipped on these lights he'd added. Oh, my goodness. Mm. I mean, because we have deer that will run out in front of you, or we have potholes, things that are there, and you could see so much. So I want to ride with him. I want to ride with the guy with the lights. With the lights, and, yes. And so along the journey, if, if you let your light shine, people will be attracted to you because they'll say, hey, dude, how did you see that coming? Or, or why did you not go to that party? Or why did you not you know, take that job or why did you, you know, hmm. they'll want to know the specifics. And then it's like I tell my class that I teach, just tell people the truth. You don't have to sound all spiritual. You don't have to just tell them, look, this is what God tells me to do in his word. He's put it there not to restrict me from doing things, to protect me from doing things. Well, the whole idea of leave a light on actually started back where people knew that they could approach a house if there was a candle in the window yeah. or there was a candle, you know, there present because that candle signified a lot. It was a meaning that there was, it was approachable, it was accessible. I mean, I can't tell you the number of stories, particularly from the Victorian age that talk about leaving a candle, you know, lighted. And I think that a lot of us, when we think about being a light, Jesus is very specific to not put it under a bushel. Right. Because, and, and you're, you're the expert on such things. Why would, why, why is the bushel, what, what was Jesus really talking about? Well, there? I mean, you know, people wanted to protect themselves, wanted, and they were a lot of times too concerned about light would draw the wrong people mm -hmm. to them. And, and so don't hide your light. Let it go out there and do what only it can do. And one, like you were saying, one little light set on a hill, mm. you know, can be seen from and can direct people's journeys from every direction. You don't have to be necessarily coming from the Northeast, you know, that sort of thing. They're, they can be drawn to the light because of what it is. Well, and we learned, of course, from uh, history with Masada and the other uh, big mountain fortresses that Herod built, that one of the reasons he built them along a certain path was because you could light a light in Masada and the next fortress yeah. would light a light, then the next fortress, and that message could get actually to back to Jerusalem quicker than sending a person on horse. And I think about, I mean, so the, the whole idea of light that Jesus is using means so much more than just, I'm going to light a candle yeah, and be the light in my world. There's a message that's being sent there. Um, do you remember a time where you saw, um, you saw the expression of be salt and light matter most, or that had the, the most profound effect or something that just stands out? Well, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. No, because it was so routine. It was yeah. such a part. I mean, it was. I, I, I think sometimes those special things are because it's not been present before, and all of a sudden it, it kind of shocks you. Well I, well, I think where I was going with it too is I, I would, I'll hear people talk about the girls saying it or using it. I don't remember anything specifically in the family, but I would hear other people who saw it because it seemed unusual or different. Well, it's like Emily Wood, the girl who yes. was, was pregnant, or or James in the bathroom, or it, we kind of took that. I remember, I remember this has to do a little bit with time too. I remember we one of those times when we had Grace with us and no, nobody else, and we were right. I, I can tell you the bridge we were going over in town, and Grace leaned forward, and she was only about seven or eight. And she leaned forward between us and said, isn't it strange how life goes by? <laughs> a 
had seven or eight. Seven or eight. <laughs> and and we we both just kind of looked at each other, and then I said, "What exactly are you? Do you mean?" And she said, "You know, it, m most everything you do, you have to." work at it to make mm. it happen sure but you just get up the next morning and it's a new day yeah and and that's that's being that's the journey that's her understanding i think even at a young age that as we go along we carry salt and light with us yeah sure you know in a in a real way well and i think about i think about just the miracle of creation that at, with all of the, I mean, if I'd have been such a bad creator, I'd have just, oh, I'd have I would have just, yeah. oh my gosh. But God adds in two very rather simple items that play such a huge part in who we are and how we live. I mean, salt, as we know, sodium, you know, it's, I mean, it's a big deal in your body. It is. Yeah, I have, I have chronically low sodium. And when sodium's not high enough in your body, the pain it does. It just begins to sort of not want to work anymore. And so that one little system, that one little part of the system and how important that is, well, salt. So God gave us an item that can then preserve food and meat so that over time, when you didn't have refrigerators, you could you could preserve things. The idea that um, light, as simple as it is, allows a huge difference to be made in a, in a person's journey. And, and what that means over, I mean, this, these are not complex. No, they're not great laws of physics. They are just what they are to make the day happen. God is, uh, you know, I heard, heard somebody say, you know, don't try to do great things for God. Do things, anything for a great God. For a great God. God takes the common, the ordinary. And I think that if we would all just step back and understand, we don't have to wait for some big thing. We don't have to hmm. wait for a big audience or a big event to be salt and light. Hmm. He's, he's, he's much more interested, in, and that's the beauty of Jesus walking around his journey while, while we, we, it's been recorded. We only got a few years recorded. And he did most of his stuff walking in a very distinct place, not very far, and just engaging people. Well, I, I, and I think about how 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 simple and yet profound it could be, you know. And it's not just for people who maybe were not did not grow up in church or maybe didn't have the kind of connection and family. Um, I was being uh, uh, interviewed by James Dobson, and he knew that the motto of our family we'd put it in the little sh sheet was "Be Salt and Light." And he said, "You know what? I really haven't thought much about that." And I'm thinking, James, James Dobson? Dobson, yes. Oh, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, really. I mean, he, he's. So I did. I helped you do. You helped James, James Dobson. Dobson. Oh, yes. Yes. Taking on the whole new significance. And that's why I said it, so that you'd feel better <laughs> about yourself. Um, but one of the things that my wife, um, when we left the houses that we moved, when we'd had these paintings done, is she cut them out of the wall. Mm. and had the sheetrock redone for the people buying the house. And we framed them up and took them with us everywhere we went. And um, I th I've often wondered, did our girls think that that was too much you know, when they would have visitors over or whatever? And time and time again, they proved to me that, you know what, they, they didn't really need to explain it. They knew what it was and they loved it. And, the, and, and they were easy to live it out and explain it, but they didn't make a big deal about it. But it certainly was making an impression. Um, I, one question I had for you is, um, I know you like food. Yes. I know you like food. Um, any food. 
so, and this question got asked the other day on an actual show. Are you more concerned with presentation or taste? Oh, taste. Oh, oh, whoa, taste. I, you know, form over, uh, uh, form over fashion, form every time. I mean, you know, function, <laughs> I'm sorry, function, function over, over fashion. fashion yeah. Function every time. I mean, I get in so much trouble because <laughs> I don't care about how stuff looks or, you know, the taste. No, presentation is is nice in a way but sometimes it gets in the way i mean you know i've been to these fancy restaurants where they bring you just this dinky little plate that looks real pretty but not got any food on i think i think for me i think for me the issue is that um presentation can actually cause a negative effect more than it has a positive effect to make me want to eat it more uh, that's you, know, you and I are strange. We are, we are, and of course, my my oldest daughter is a presentation girl. Wow. She loves it, but uh, but she has lots of issues, Ronnie. You know, but no, <laughs> sorry, Sarah Grace. Um, but yeah. I want you to think about those of you who are listening. Think about your lives. How much time do you put into presentation over taste and see that the Lord is good? Yeah. Um, what would you be, what would be the best advice you would give to someone who knows that they're struggling with it or maybe haven't even thought about it try before? It. Try it. Try it. Just try it. Just go out. And you know, I, one of the things I tell people is to try to look at life through a window and not a mirror. Um, mm. I think, I think <laughs> so many times we look through a mirror because the first thing we see in every situation is us. Absolutely. And I think Jesus always looked through windows. Yeah. He was never concerned about himself. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes he would kind of sneak, not necessarily sneak away from the crowd, but just walk through the crowd because it just wasn't his time. Mm. When he, when, when it was his time, he made himself very available, you know, but, but I, you know, just try looking at the world without seeing yourself first and seeing what, where you can put your salt. Now there's some places salt doesn't do too good. Like Absolutely. Like a salt in your eye. Yes. It's not a real good yes. thing. Yes. Or if I turn the light on in the bedroom at night. It's dark, yes. It's dark, and my wife's in the bed asleep. There's a chance that it's not going to go well for me. <laughs> so, so. And, and we could carry, it's like any illustration. You can carry it to the point that it 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 doesn't make sense with what the intended exactly, was. Exactly, exactly. So just, so just us throwing salt out everywhere, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, we don't want to get it in people's eyes. We don't want it to be irritating. So at the appropriate time, I think we can tell them about our experience with Jesus. And, you know, something similar concerning light, Ronnie. Um, I remember telling the story that, you know, when I go into a theater, it is absolutely dark. It's stark. But over time, my eyes adjust. And I think that a lot of people allow the world to do that to them. I think people know. I've never met anyone that when you ask them and you really work at what the issues are in their life, that they don't really deep down know what the problem is. Right. But they've become so used to it or they've, their lives have adjusted to whatever the adversary's working and doing in their life. Talk just about that for a minute. Well, I'm going to embarrass him, but Brian helped me yesterday. <laughs> you know, he, he was... Brian is our, is our uh, editor here for our podcast. So. And, and he, he, was, he was very profound. The Emmy-winning Emmy Brian Thaxton. Uh, so, uh, but, but he, we were talking last night at dinner and, and he said, you know, I think sometimes my generation doesn't know how to be general, generalized or doesn't have appreciation for things that they're not interested in. Uh, I'm, sure. I'm probably misquoting him and I don't know if I'm saying it exactly right. He's shrugging his shoulder right now, but you know, but I think that, um, that it, and 
we can be we can get so used to things yeah uh, that that we get almost in a in a trench i mean we, we we forget that we're in a rut that's a better word for it you know some people say a rut's just a grave with the both ends kicked out but uh, but we get so that we don't we don't look at things around us mm. and so we don't and i was so disappointed that i've used this illustration for years and somebody found out that it's a it's a myth uh, and that is the old thing about the frog in boiling water. <laughs> Apparently, that's not true. <laughs> I was not going to sit there and boiling water. But I will still use the illustration. Uh, even though it may not. But we, the, the old illustration of the frog just sitting there. Do we need a disclaimer is, at this yes, point? What this you're about to hear is, is actually not totally accurate. But we do. It applies that you, get, you do get used to the things around you. Mm. And where they started out as being smells or things that you know are broken i mean you know when we sold our house uh a couple of years ago we went in and things that we had gotten so used to when the person that was helping us sell our house came in and looked at it and said oh you need to fix that we went what, what? <laughs> yeah sure you know it we didn't know it was not right yeah absolutely and so that's what and i think that's one of satan's great great uh, uh, ways to help deceit that that he allows people to get, just get accustomed to get it. accustomed yeah you know to maybe oh that was not totally the truth well next time it's not really the truth or or i i just took this one little thing from work all of a sudden i'm taking a lot of things from work and and the or or i'm i'm just oh this is a bad one i'm just kind of friendly with this lady I'm yes married, sure i'm just friendly but there's not really anything to it are just those little subtle things that then move us into a into a whole thing. You know, my wife and I, you know, just developed this thing because of primarily me. I, I, I traveled a good bit doing some talks and all, and and we just decided it wouldn't be good for people to see me in a car with another lady. Sure. And I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we just had decided that. And so, you know, I was, I, you know, when I would say that sometimes people say that's kind of weird. Uh, but I heard a, a very, very popular pastor say the same thing mm. uh, on television that he panicked one time when a woman pulled up to pick him up. He called his wife on the phone and said, it's a woman. What am I supposed to do? She said, get in the car. You know? <laughs> but if you stay far back sure. from those things that are dark, yes, then when there's a little light, it will blind you. Well, and I've, and it only takes a little bit of even just the reflection of the light. I think people with God's voice in your head going, don't do oh, that. Don't do you that. don't need to do that. Do that. Nothing bad's going to happen. You, nothing, you know, tawdry is going to take place, but it, but it leads down a particular road. And it, it's like, um, it, it, not in this same situation, but Kay Warren, who's a good friend of mine that has, we've worked together on some things, talked about, that, I mean, Rick and Kay Warren affected church and life wow. and, and so much, but yet it wasn't until she actually had cancer and was sitting in a doctor's office getting ready to start her treatments that she opened up a magazine and saw about the AIDS crisis in Africa and particularly about the issue happening in Rwanda. And she said, for the first time in my life, she said, I really slowed down to think wow, there, are, there really are things happening around the world that I can't contemplate. Yes. And of course, they probably more than any other evangelical couple introduced the evangelical church to the AIDS crisis in the world yes. and, and also made some connections in Rwanda. They changed the world mm. in terms of Rwanda and how that connection with the church. And so, it was in 
treatment for cancer. In treatment for cancer. That's, yeah. But that she was able to see something else, a, a, a reflection of some other light that she needed to light up a part of her life. Well, we need to do our, our mason jar moment. So I want you to read from the actual Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And while you're getting ready for that, I'll just say, as someone who's spent a little bit of time on the Beatitudes, it is really the end of... Yes, there was a book written, a great book on the Beatitudes, but that actually is named Journeywise. And so, but most people don't know that this is the end of the prelude or the, the prologue to the Sermon on the Mount is after you've done all of these you know, blessed are the ones who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Go be salt and light. So why don't you read that? Because I'm about to get into some heavy stuff. Exactly. So this is Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste goodness, God, godliness? Excuse me. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. <laughs> Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Uh, I actually heard at a talk Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, say that what we should fear more than being antagonistic to the gospel is being useless for the gospel. Oh. That, and that's what's being said. You know, you, it's not that salt is a bad thing for you. It, you just don't matter anymore, and you're thrown out in the garbage. Right. Um, any final word that you would say to people about be salt and light? Just you matter. Yeah. You matter, and you may think you don't. That's the other thing is I think Satan brings insignificance into people's lives and, and says, what, well, who do you think you are? Mm. I'm telling you, God, just like this passage says, God didn't put salt in you and he didn't put light in you for you not to matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. Well, thank you, Ronnie. Absolutely. Hey, be salt and light. Absolutely. You matter. You do too. All right. Hey, guys, it's Shane. We're so excited that you're on this journey and we want to thank you for joining us. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you'd subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And of course, stay tuned to all that God's doing and working to make all of us journey-wise. Thanks for listening to JourneyWise, a JourneyWise Network production. 